Well, good morning. If we haven't had the chance to meet before, my name is John Carroll. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Hope Covenant. And today we're continuing our message series called I Pray, in which we are looking at the spiritual practice of prayer. But if you're anything like me, your prayer life is never where you'd like it to be. Last week, we talked about what it looks like to spend an ordinary day with Jesus. How do we let things like the alarm clock and our driving and our working and just our everyday living remind us to take a moment and stay connected to Jesus? We passed out little stones so you could carry them around with you as a reminder to, as Paul says, pray continually throughout your day. And if you missed last Sunday, you can go to our website, hopecovenant.church, and catch, us, uh, catch up on the podcast. And this is an important series because prayer is the chief means of grace, where we connect with God and invite God to be active in our lives. But here's why this week is so important. We need to hit the pause button for just a moment and think about what the Bible considers to be prayer barriers. There are a lot of things that prayer does in our life that are magnificent. Prayer connects us to God in ways that we wouldn't have imagined. Prayer gives us a sense of peace that we've been longing for. Prayer can fill us with gratitude, which is one of the most powerful forces God uses to connect us to Him. But there are other issues at work in our prayer life. And things like doubt can creep in, and anxiety, and selfishness. And all kinds of prayer barriers that keep us from doing one of the most important things God asks us to do. And that is to pray with him. In the book of James, he gives a number of prayer barriers. But we're only going to focus on a few of them today. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. So in James chapter 4 verse 2, he says one of the reasons you do not have things is because you don't ask for them. Your life gets busy, and you think about prayer more than you actually do it. And you let the busyness of your life completely crowd out the act of prayer. In the verse right next to it, in verse 3, James goes on to say, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives. Another reason why you don't receive when you pray is because you have selfish motives, and you want what you want, and not necessarily what God wants. And then in the beginning of the book, in chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, James says, Ask God who gives generously, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. So, when we ask in prayer, we need to believe and not doubt. And for some people, maybe many people, doubt can actually get in the way of our prayers getting answered. One of the things I want to point out is that if we don't hit the pause button and look at the barriers to prayer, we'll breeze through six weeks about learning about prayer unscathed. And our prayer life will be no less frustrating than it is now. I said earlier that my prayer life isn't where I want it to be. Maybe you can relate to that too. And there seems to be a guilt or a shame that's attached to not being good at prayer. People just automatically assume that Christians have this incredible prayer life where the words come flowing out of our mouths and we're able to articulate our requests and our feelings towards God with ease. And for pastors, it's worse. Pastors are supposed to have a special connection to God. It's like the bat phone from the old Batman TV show. Remember that? 
You know, Commissioner Gordon needs to get a hold of Batman. Just pick up the special rub phone and he's connected. And pastors are supposed to give super prayers. So when I'm at a meeting or at a meal and it's obvious it's time to pray, people just slowly start looking at me like, you got this one, right? And at home, we pray before just about every dinner. And we invite our kids, Aiden and Mia, to pray because we want to help them develop a healthy prayer life. Sometimes they lift up these sweet, heartfelt prayers that let me and Amber know uh, what's going on inside their minds at the moment. Other times, our kids will pray over a meal by saying, Good food, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God. And we're like, come on, you can pray a different prayer. And they'll say, well, we're not pastors. We don't have those super prayers. You do say that. (laughs) Well, my prayers aren't always super. And that passage in James that we looked at a moment ago tells us that we don't have the things we want because we don't ask God. And I know for me, part of the reason for that is because I'm busy. I've got a lot of stuff going on in my life. I have two jobs. This is obviously one of them. And my other job is with the Apprentice Institute at Friends University. And I'm the director of operations, which means I have a ton of responsibility. I manage four employees, and I help them with the work that they're responsible for. Plus, I run the Apprentice Experience, a certificate program for church leaders who want to go deeper in their study of Jesus. We actually have a graduate from our Apprentice Experience here today, all the way from Oklahoma. I serve as the executive producer of our weekly podcast called The Things Above. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. I oversee the budgeting and finance for the three main divisions of the Apprentice Institute, and I lead our weekly staff meetings. Not to mention, I'm a dad to two amazing and highly active kids and a husband to a very demanding wife. She's not here right now, so I can say that. Don't tell on me. And then there's this usual list of chores and home maintenance that I have to do. And oh, by the way, my dentist wants me to floss every day. I'm like, dude, I'm doing well if I can just remember to brush my teeth. So yeah, I'm pretty busy. And it's true, sometimes in my busyness, I crowd out prayer. And I feel like maybe someday, when my life settles down, I'll be able to have the prayer life that I want. Because one thing I know about prayer is... It's got to be for a long time in a very quiet place and you have to have your head bowed and your hands folded and you have to be on your knees next to a big overstuffed overstuffed chair and you have to have a journal nearby so that you can record your conversations with God afterwards. But I'm really, really busy and I can't always pray like that. And people say, that's the best way to pray. So I'll just wait until things slow down. Then I'll do all that stuff. And it's not just my life that's busy, but it's my mind that's busy too. I get distracted when I pray. Stop me if this sounds familiar. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the things that you're doing in my life. Did I just hear the garbage truck? Oh man, I forgot to put the trash cans out last night. Okay, I'll do that as soon as I'm done talking to God. Speaking of talking, I need to have a talk with Mia. She's been doing so great at school, and I want to tell her how cool that is. Wait, where was I? Oh, yeah, God. Uh, thanks for bringing Eric to our church, God. By the way, I wonder if Eric gets sidetracked in prayer. Does that guy put product in his beard? Oh, 
Never mind. Thanks, God. Love you. Mean it. My mind just gets, it just wanders like crazy. And then I get overwhelmed. And James also says that we don't get what we want in our prayer life because we're selfish. Now, I'm far from perfect. I know this. And there are parts of me that I know need help, but I'd like to think that I'm not a selfish person. Although I have to admit, my prayer list looks more like I'm telling God what to do rather than asking for help. I think, you know, God's busy. He's running the universe. I know my kids better than he does. I certainly know what my wife needs to do to change. He's a busy God with a lot going on. And I think he's grateful that I take responsibility for my share of what's happening in the world. So sometimes my list more like, more, looks more like I'm telling God more than asking. And I'm not sure I want to give up control. But here's what I found that works much better. When I pray open-ended prayers like, God, would your will be done? God, I'm totally fine with whatever you have for my life. Transform my heart. Transform my mind. God tends to answer them. And sometimes this is really tough stuff. It's hard. And it hurts. And I'd really rather not go there. But I'll tell you this, and I know this from doing it, is that the biggest struggle, yet the greatest experience in life, is the surrendered heart towards God. Eugene Peterson, writer of the message version of the Bible, once said, the kingdom of self is heavily guarded territory. Meaning, my will, my ways, my ego is so important to who I am that I will stop at nothing to protect it. Yet, it is in those moments of surrender where I hand over control to God are the moments I feel the most joy, the most levity, the greatest freedom. Because I'm not depending on myself to determine the outcome. I'm trusting God with it. A couple years ago, I was having a real challenge with my work at Apprentice. There's a guy that I work with who's a very difficult person. He's abrasive and he's aggressive. And when he sets his eyes on something, he won't relent until you give in. And he's showy and he's flashy and he loves it when he's in the limelight. And it rubs people the wrong way. But the dude is super brilliant. He can pull a quote from a book that he read years ago. And he's very creative. So when he teaches, he frames these ideas that just blow us away. And we're impressed. And I really want to like the guy. But if I'm being honest, it's really hard to be around him. And a couple years ago, he was pushing me around at work. And I was starting to push back. And I was losing ground by the day. You see, I care so much about the work that I do at Apprentice. And I was feeling like I was compromising on some things that were really important to me. I lost sleep at night. My heart would beat out of its chest every time I heard his voice in the hallway. I didn't know what to do. I was miserable. And other things were piling up in my life. And I finally had it. I was driving into work one day and I just freaked out in the car. It must have looked really odd to the people who were driving westbound on Kellogg that day. And I said, all right, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep holding on to this stuff at work. I'd rather hand it over to you than drop it on my feet. So you're going to have to see the situation through. I'm going to let you sort it out. And whatever happens, happens. And I'll be at peace with it. And from that moment, my kingdom wasn't heavily guarded anymore. 
I was open to whatever God wanted to do. And the amazing thing I discovered was that God was powerfully working in me. And there was patience in moments I needed it. And there was wisdom to make good decisions. And there was compassion to love this person despite his behavior at work. And I'll tell you what, I experienced more joy and more freedom than I could have ever imagined. And it blew the doors off my relationship with God. It's never been better. And so the question for you today is, do you trust God with what you love? Ask him. Invite him into your life in a way where you surrender the outcomes to him and trust that it will be okay. Now I realize this will take time and this may be easier said than done. You may be thinking, yeah, John, I'm not so sure that John knows what he's talking about, which is why doubt, according to James, is another big barrier to prayer. We doubt a lot. We doubt God is listening to us. We doubt that we're good enough for God to pay attention to us. And there are times when I experience doubt in my prayers and it messes with me. I feel like such a phony. Earlier I said that the ideal setup for um, prayer was, you know, sitting in front of a big overstepped chair with your head bowed and your hands folded and all that stuff. But for me, for a guy on the go, that setup seems a little too lofty. And I think one of the things I doubt most is all the ways that I do pray during the day. In my car, in my office, in the shower. Anybody else pray in the shower? Just for show of hands. Yes, a few of you. It's good. Why do my greatest revelations always come at a point when I have no way of jotting them down? So annoying. Well, sometimes I'll get an email about someone that needs prayer. And in that moment, I'll just shoot up a quick prayer to God and ask for help. And then I wonder if those prayers even count. And I have this voice inside my head. And it's a small voice that whispers to me before I go to bed, you think that was prayer? That wasn't prayer. It wasn't an hour long. It wasn't on your knees. It doesn't count. And even though that voice is really quiet, and I try to turn the volume down on it, it's deafening. Richard Foster wrote a book on prayer, appropriately called Prayer. And in the book, he said, we have such a stained glass image of, what, of prayer that we fail to recognize what we are experiencing as prayer and then condemn ourselves for not praying. And I think he's right. It's really hard to not let that voice be the loudest thing you hear. I heard someone once say, you should never doubt in the darkness what God showed you in the light. And every once in a while, I'll let that affect my prayer life. The problem is, when you're in the light, that sounds really good. But when the season of life you're in is dark, and everything is upside down, and you don't know if you believe anymore, that's a really hard saying to live by. And if that's you, I want to say, take heart. God is with you. God is listening to you. And God will not forsake you. And next week, we're going to look at the many powerful ways that God moves through prayer. And we'll explore what that looked like for people in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So be sure to come back for week three of I Pray. But before then, let's connect with God in prayer.
Father God, our lives are kind of conditioned for busyness and activity. We have jobs and classes and relationships and responsibility, and we go from one thing to the next, and we tend to miss out on those important opportunities to connect with you. So we come to you today asking for your help. Would you help us to order our days with you in mind? And God, I pray we live with a surrendered life to you, where we hand over the burden of controlling the outcomes in every situation and place our faith and trust in you. And finally, God, would you give us the confidence to know that you hear our prayers and that you are with us always. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.